What's going on, everybody? It's the Chris Middleton of all episodes at the Bucks Leading Radio, number 22. Uh, my boy Derek hopped on, and we had just had a nice quick conversation about these past couple games, about the trade deadline. Um, we talked about our thoughts on the Bucks staying put. We even talked about the Cavs kind of blowing up their team a little bit and how that affects the Eastern Conference and the Bucks going from a playoff perspective and a little bit of everything. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we might had having it. And without further ado, hit the music. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jacobs, as always, and playing his flu game tonight is at Dr. Stark all the way out in Kansas. Derek, how we doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty shitty. Thanks for asking, man, but we're going to make the most of this. We're going to push through, talk about some bucks, talk about some wins in uh, Florida and a loss in Florida, you know, and then maybe a little trade deadline in there. I'm down. I'm ready. Well, I guess let's just start with the two games because, I mean, they're kind of uh, polar opposites, I guess. You played the Heat. Took an L in, in uh, Miami, go to Orlando, get a W when we theoretically should have beaten the terrible Magic team that they are. Um, so let's start with the loss against the Heat because I feel like they match up so well against us with Hassan Whiteside, always tearing up our inside presence. What do you have to say about that game so far? I don't know how much you caught of it, but let's hear it. So yeah, I didn't get to watch a ton of it, but I think... Uh, for me, one big takeaway obviously is the Whiteside storyline in that he's just a true center. He got 16 rebounds. That's tough. But another thing that maybe people haven't discussed is just that that was D. Wade's return to Miami. So the they obviously had a little bit more energy in the building that night. They came out after halftime. They won the third quarter 30 to eight. You know, and, and that's going to win you 99 games out of 100. So it's it's tough to walk into a situation like that. Especially missing the Prez. You know, my boy's out, so it's going to be tough until the playoffs. But uh, once we get him back, we're going to be rolling. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Whiteside's presence can be just seen based on Henson's stat line with 21 minutes, uh, three points. Um, he did have uh, eight boards overall, so I mean, against a, a really good center like that for him, that's pretty good, I would say. But their defense killed us that game, and, you know, Giannis going eight for 21 from the field and one from four for three isn't great. Um, not that it's his fault by any means, but you know it's just hard to see sometimes. Tyler Zeller, surprise um, upside though. He had a couple good plays. He was plus ten overall and plus minus. Um, got fourteen minutes out there. I'm kind of liking him. Like I, I'm liking having him as a little cheaper as an option to play um, behind Henson. Obviously Henson's going to be out tomorrow, so we'll probably see a little bit more of what Zeller has to offer. But have you heard or seen anything that you like so far about him? Yeah, you know I think. You look at that stat line, and then the next night he got eight more minutes, and he provided eight boards, a block, um, and he's, he's just going to be a guy who can bang for us, right? You know what you have. You're not going to expect him to win games for you, but he's going to do exactly what you and I have discussed in the past, and that's he's going to clog the middle. He's going to get some rebounds. He's not somebody who demands the ball, so he's not going to really mess with your chemistry or be somebody that the coach has to worry about pleasing. Uh, Zeller's just a blue-collar guy. He's going to get the job done. 
He's tough. He's gritty. And I would imagine he's probably a pretty good locker room guy, too. Yeah, um, and let's talk about the other half of that trade real quick. I know you weren't on here last week. Um, my friend Cody was, and we kind of talked about the Rashad Vaughn-Zeller trade. But now Zeller's – or not, I'm sorry, not Zeller. Vaughn's not even on an NBA team anymore. So, nope. yeah, that's been an interesting turn of events. We kind of just left him in Brooklyn. We made our pit stop there, and he got traded. I don't know where to, and then got cut pretty much. So, turn of events for Rashad Vaughn, who is only 19, I believe, and had some upside. But it's going to be interesting to see where his career takes him, whether it's overseas or to a G League team. Yeah, that is really surprising. Um, I feel like we had him for three years or so, and yeah, he's... He's 21. 21, okay. I'm an idiot. No, you're good. <laughs> All these random players. It's not relevant. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he can shoot, it seemed, but I, I didn't really, I was never impressed by him. He was one of those guys where, you know, if you can trade him for a guy like Zeller, somebody who can come in and provide value in the short term, you got to do it because our window is open. And, and that's something that a lot of people uh, are starting to realize that, these windows, especially for small small market teams like the Bucks, they don't necessarily stay open for a long time. So while you have a top five player in the NBA, you got to make these moves. And Horace has now made three statements with Bledsoe, Kidd, and even just going and, and grabbing Zeller. He's he's trying to make it happen right now. I don't know if Zeller is necessarily a statement, but more of a recognizing a recognition of our needs and not necessarily a want in a DeAndre Jordan, because I think when you look at it, everybody kind of wanted DeAndre Jordan because of, like, the name that he brings and kind of the presence and, like, again, kind of how the Greg Monroe signing was when we first got him of, like, such a big name kind of coming to Milwaukee. But Zeller was definitely more of a need um, to fill something that is, you know, that backup center that, like you said, can bang down low, get us some boards, work a little pick and roll. I think Marshall Plumlee offers a little bit of that as well. Um, But his two-way contract is coming up. So it's very interesting to see as the herd season comes to an end how these two-way contracts are going to end up because they are gonna, they only have limited days with our team and then we can't use them anymore unless we sign them. I don't know what the other options are. I'm not well, very well versed. So if you're out there listening, you know, please feel free to chime in and let us know because I've been very intrigued on these two-way contracts um, and haven't really found a great place to find um, great a lot of detail on there. So if you're a listener and you know or you have a good um, source for that, please let us know because I would love to do a little research on that. But that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, that's for sure, man. That is, it is kind of um, confusing. It's it's a very meticulous process. But um, I, I like I like where we're at right now. Obviously, it would be ideal if Brogdon wasn't injured. But you just look at the guys who are getting playing time. Um, I think Kilpatrick's kind of coming around a little bit. I've noticed that he's getting some some good run off the bench. Uh, your boy Sterling Brown, you know, he had that little hiccup halfway through the year, and maybe his shots aren't falling right now, but he still he contributes, whether it be rebounding, assists, steals, his defense is there. Um, and even Jet, Jet Terry's, I've noticed, been getting more minutes without Jason Kidd calling the shots, which is shocking, and he's... He's lighting it up from downtown and doing a whole lot of nothing outside of that, but but he's jet, so you gotta love it. Yeah, for sure. And let me pick your brain here because there's a couple things I've been seeing online, um, but I'll address kind of what you're talking about first. Um, so yeah, Sir, Sean Kilpatrick. I actually I'm pretty high on him. He hasn't had I don't think the best opportunity in his playing year so far in the NBA. He hasn't a career high in the 30s. I know that uh, in points. He 
I think he has a lot of upside. I, I think if you were able to get him more in a rotation, kind of in a groove, I think he could offer a lot, with especially with Delhi being down and Brogdon being down. Yeah. Um, so I'm very interested to see how that plays out. But yeah, Sterling Brown uh, is, at least during the Magic's game, he was over 5 from the field, over 1 from 3-pointer, but plus 3 in the plus-minus. So it's not always about your offensive production from a scoring perspective. His defense has been very um, good. I mean, obviously, during that Knicks game, he had that little uh, fuddle. I don't know if you saw where he got that steal, almost tripped over himself four times, and then missed the dunk. Um, I did. That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was comical because the Bucks won. Um, exactly. But yeah, the Taser, I'm, I'm still liking him. I think he's going to be really good, uh, a really good second rounder, too, who actually traded up to get. Uh, so that's definitely going to be some upside. But, so, let's transition into the trade deadline because this has been a very interesting time in the NBA because of how high some of the contracts that were given out the past couple years have been. I mean, you can take a look at, like, an example that I still remember to this day was John Luehr getting, like, four years, $44 million. Like, that should never happen. I, like, I don't, like, not taking anyone from John Luehr, I met him before, seems like a great guy. Had a good conversation yeah, with him. And, uh, but I don't think he's worth $10 million a year. Maybe... You could say Henson isn't worth $10 million a year either. Not at all. Cole Aldridge, the guy who plays like three minutes a game for the T-Wolves, they gave him three for 30 or something like that. Jeez. Yeah, so we are kind of entering this um, buyout market now. I mean, two big names, Joe Johnson, who is kind of um, now selected to go to the Rockets. Um, yeah. Who else uh, just went to D the... D-Rose. just got bought out. Bellinelli. I mean, dude, D-Rose, without two injuries to point guards, everybody's telling me how D-Rose is washed up. But, dude, I just lo- I love D-Rose. Maybe it's because he has the same first name as me. Um, maybe it's because I just think he's a good dude. Um, probably the former, but I don't know. I like D-Rose. Okay, well, this is perfect because this is exactly what I wanted to bring up. So you look at this buyout market, but our roster's full. So that means you've got to get rid of somebody if you want to pick up Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. And a buyout has to be mutually agreed upon. So the only people that, I mean, the only person who I would really be okay with buying out would be Mirza Toledovic. But, I mean, he's kind of sitting pretty. He's, you know, obviously his injury, not great. But he's sitting there cashing a check each week because all of his money is guaranteed. And why would he ever take a buyout? True. Not to mention, if you look at our cash I mean, we're still paying Larry Sanders. We're paying Spencer Hawes. Yeah, I saw that. So, I mean, like, there's things that, like, from a Bucks fandom, like, yeah, it'd be cool to pick up some of these people, but it's like, who are you giving up then? And the one name that I've only heard where people are like, yeah, I guess we could get rid of him would be Jason Terry. And I don't know if I'm okay letting him go, because I think he provides a lot as veteran leadership as a player. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, I don't know anything about this this guy. You've talked to him, talked about him maybe in our first episode together, but Xavier Munford... Do you think that he has a pretty high ceiling and that it wouldn't be worthwhile to cut him loose? Because I could see him still being around. So he's on a two-way deal. He doesn't actually have a full NBA contract. Okay. So he, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, that could be one, but I think he has a lot of upside to offer in future years. Yeah. As I mean, but yes, I mean, that's why you're kind of looking at like Marshall Plumlee on a two-way deal, Mumford on a two-way deal. Wilson, he's on his rookie contract. I don't know if you can really buy him out. So I don't know how that works from that perspective, but... It's a very interesting market that we're heading into. Are there any move? Like, do you want to see us make a move for somebody? Or because I mean, Bogut's still out there. I mean, like, there's still people who are free agents that are people are kind of like rumbling about in you know Bucks Twitter and Bucks Facebook. Yeah, that's for sure. I think because we're fans and we love it, we love to just kind of dream a little bit and make up these scenarios in our heads. But 
it's just I don't think it's worthwhile. I don't think you're going to get any any more value back for what you'd be getting rid of. And then you also have the whole culture standpoint, right? So bringing in a new guy to the to the culture and dropping a guy, not only is that something that you have to reconfigure, but you're also kind of making a statement to your players that hey, nobody's safe here. Like we're willing to just cut you if we think there might be another better option which can work from a motivational standpoint to an extent because it makes guys want to continue to work um but at the same time you want guys to have some sort of job security in the same way that you and i want to feel like we have job security well right especially because i feel like nobody's really playing that horribly where you're like okay letting them go do you know what i mean yeah it's like like vaughn was kind of not that big of a surprise that we were gonna let him go we didn't extend his rookie contract we really only used him as the hype man in the middle of the circle, you know, for Snapchat and for games, and, and that was about it. And then he played in garbage time. So that was, you know what I mean? But yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so I think so. I think I'm happy the Bucks didn't really make a move on trade deadline day. I thought after the Zeller trade, I kind of thought that that was like, I mean, it wasn't probably my number one. I would not have really thought of that happening, but I think that that really kind of filled a hole for now with what we're working with and allowing us to kind of get healthy and make that playoff push. Because we're heading into the All-Star break in one or two games, I know that for sure. Um, so I think that's what I'm looking forward to, and I was happy. How about you? Yeah, I am, man. I feel, oh my goodness, I just haven't felt like this for the Milwaukee Bucks in a long time, right? Like 31-24, and 24, uh, I think the first episode we did, we might have been hovering around 500, and just to see the team at this point right before the All-Star break is... It's pretty surprising to me, you know? I thought we would maybe hover two, three games above 500, and uh, right now we're seven games above. We have the entire second part of the season. Not necessarily second part, we're, we're over halfway, statistically speaking, but um, we've got a lot of games left to really get Jabari into the groove and and uh, get the Prez back for the playoffs, and I, I think it's looking really good, man. To, I mean, what, we're only two games behind the Cavaliers? Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's pretty huge. Let's talk about this East because I think Cody and I had dived into it in actually fairly decent detail last week. Um, but we're so jumbled, and I know maybe a lot of you listening maybe didn't listen to last week's. Um, so we can always just talk about it quickly. But with the trade deadline, where the Cavs essentially just playing 2K My GM and making trades left and right, they came out and played like a whole different team. And they kind of really are when you look at the, how they picked up like young shooters and they got rid of some of their old players who weren't you know, producing as much anymore. And they got rid of Isaiah Thomas, which was kind of surprising to me. I mean, he wasn't playing great, but wow, that was a big trade. Derrick Rose, I kind of understood, but then you got rid of your star point guard. So what do you think about that? And how is that going to affect us as a Bucks team going into this Eastern, you know, playoff contention? Well, I'll give you one conspiracy theory, and that's that LeBron James is calling the shots for the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron James knows he wants to go to the Lakers, and he just set up the Lakers financially to bring him in and now he can go play with IT and and Ball and all the boys in LA but um, that might be a little bit overplayed so we can we can bail on that theory too I I don't know I think I do think this is a lot of LeBron and his ego and just never being content which is like similar to human nature right we always want more we want something else grass is always greener and I think I see that a lot with LeBron and He's, uh, he's always been one to say that they're, they're a piece or two away, and it's kind of ridiculous when you got K-Love coming in and, and Corver, one of the sharpest shooters on your bench, and um, 
you know, Kyrie Irving, arguably the most offensively talented player in the league, running the point guard for your team. And He's Tristan not there Thompson. anymore. I know, but I'm talking like like in the past, last oh, okay. year, two years ago, when he was like really pushing for um, the team to make moves and calling for the GM's head. Like the guy is just, I don't know. We'll see. I guess I like Larry Nance. I think he's super talented. George Hill's sick. But did they upgrade? Maybe a little bit. But at the end of the day, LeBron's just got to win the champ. Like, he's just got to take care of business. Just do it. Um, I don't know. I'm not a big LeBron fan. I like Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I respect LeBron. And yeah, I think that there is a lot of that going on with LeBron kind of calling the shots over there. But. I think, like, from an Eastern Conference perspective and seeing them play, obviously, it's only been one or two games uh, that we've really got to see them play as a new team. But I think it scares me a little bit as a Bucks fan because, depending on where it shakes out, and if we get through a first round, we could be playing them second round, maybe even if we can make it to the Eastern Conference Championship, depending on how we are playing as a team. And obviously, it's looking very optimistically into the future. But yeah. they're a younger team now. They're running it a little bit faster and that could match up pretty well against us, especially with people like you've already mentioned, Kyle Korver, and obviously LeBron James. Kyle Korver went off for us early, in, off against us early in the season, and pretty much won that game for the Cavs. And we barely scraped by at home against them because of a bad pass by Chris Milton and a good steal back by Giannis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I do recall that, man. We always get lit up by those sharpshooters. Him, guys like JJ Redick. You know, the Seventy Sixers is a team that kind of scares me. Um, when it comes to postseason. And I also, we could avoid the Cavaliers. There are teams that could take down the Cavs in this series. I'm talking the Washington Wizards. I don't really think the Celtics um, are there unless Gordon Hayward comes back early. But, I mean, the 76ers are crazy talented. They're crazy long. Um, I don't even know who their coach is right now. But that's a team that scares the shit out of me. I agree, too. And... I don't think, okay, well, first of all, I think that that was a very hot take to say that the Boston Celtics don't have it against the Cavs. I think the Boston Celtics are running away with the series against the Cavs right now. Um, Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach, way better than Tyron Liu. Kyrie Irving is going to go off against, I don't even know who their starting point guard is now. I Like, George Hill, is that who they're starting now? Oh, yeah. yeah, and I mean, yeah, so then you have LeBron, but I mean, overall, I think the Celtics have been playing better team basketball, and... They just destroyed... Yes, I know, but still, I think in a seven-game series, I'm still taking Brad Stevens and the Celtics over the Cavs. So you can you can mark me down for that one if it comes down to it in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but yes, no, I think from a Milwaukee, from a Bucks perspective, though, I think the Celtics match up the best against... Or not Celtics, the Sixers match up the best against us. Because, like, Joel Embiid is a freak of nature. He's a very good athlete for how big he is and... and can tear us apart, where that is our biggest hole in that center position. And Giannis can't do it all. So if, if they get him going hot down low, that opens up the three-point for people like J.J. Redick on their team. Exactly. Yeah, Redick, Covington, the Dario Sarek, uh, Ben I mean, Ben Simmons, isn't he like a seven-foot point guard? Yeah, something like that? I, don't, I don't have complete faith in him yet. I mean, this is his first season. He, what bothers me is that he... Takes jumpers right-handed, but he's actually left-handed, so his like go-to when he lays up is his left hand. It's weird to me. I mean, it's cool to be ambidextrous, but I don't think you should be doing it in one game. I think you should like play baseball right-handed and play golf left-handed or some you know shit like that. But yeah, so it's, I, it's really confounding, man. But that dude fills it. Like he will get three steals, three assists, five rebounds, four blocks, and twelve points. And it's just like shit, man. You do everything. True. True. 
Um, so let's talk about this. I mean, so that Magic game was good. It scared us a little bit in the end where Magic almost kind of made a pushback. I mean, there was 63 points scored in the fourth quarter between both teams with the Bucks edging out with 33 and the Magic with 30. So I think that shows me, like, we're still closing out games like that, but it shouldn't come down to it. And I'm not sure if that's because our scrubs were in. Again, I wasn't able to catch the full end of that. I actually kind of stopped watching because I was like, oh, the Bucks got this. I had something else to do, and it was, you know, whatever. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen. But let's talk about somebody else who is filling up the stat sheet and how you how you feel about this is Chris Milton kind of getting snubbed again in the All-Star game with Porzingis going down with his knee injury. You know, good luck to him. I hear he's going to be out for two years now. Um, and so, okay, I guess again, I can't just blow past that. He's got a year. He tore his ACL, so he's on the year track like Jabari was. But I think from what the Knicks organization has said is they're probably going to sit him out all of next season, assuming that they're going to tank because they don't really have anybody else other than Porzingis. So I, I guess it'll depend on where they are a year from now if they're going to slowly bring him back, like we're bringing Jabari back, or if they're just going to let him sit the full year and kind of start anew. The next year, that would be essentially two years. Right. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't even think of it like that. I feel bad, too, because I was watching that game, and I saw Porzingis go down. And just from my perspective, like seeing the play, uh, like I didn't think it was that bad, and I saw him walk off, and I was just like, great. You know, he's out for the game. We'll beat the Knicks for sure without Porzingis. And then I heard that he tore his ACL, and I just felt like a dick. Yeah, I mean, nobody in sports should want to see a great talent like that get hurt, whether it's DeMarcus Cousins blowing his Achilles out, you know, even Jabari and, you know, hurting his knee. I don't think anybody likes that. Um, so, but when you look at that, who Goran Dragic, I believe, took the next spot in the All-Star game, who is averaging, I think, similar, if not a little bit lower in a stat line than Chris Milton is. So, I mean, I'm a little salty as, like, a Bucks fan of, like, how aren't you seeing this, like, great kind of consistent player that, I mean, yeah, he's had a little bit of an up-and-down season, but overall he's been a great player and deserves to be in the All-Star game at this point. Yeah, maybe they just felt like they needed to replace one European with another, you know? Maybe it's a race thing, but um, <laughs> in, all ser- <laughs> in all seriousness, Jesus. <laughs> has just been the man. I mean, the guy rebounds, he drops dimes. <laughs> He's, he's really shot the ball well. He gets to the free throw line. Um, and he, what I love about Chris Middleton is you know he's not a guy who's out there talking trash. He's very he's a respectful player. You know, he's quiet. He keeps to himself. I don't know that he's necessarily a leader, but I think he's the kind of guy that you want to play with. You know, he just plays super hard. Um, but at the end of the game, he's going to slap hands, say a prayer at midcourt with his buddies, and and head into the locker room shower up. So I, I really like Chris Middleton. He's been not our MVP because we have Greek Freak, but I would say he's been the most pleasant surprise for the Bucks this year. And I think it's a lot from what the organization's done, bringing in Bledsoe, kind of helping him take a little bit some of the responsibility off of his back, not making, not forcing him to make plays every time down the court and kind of trying to just create his own shot. When that's not necessarily his best strength is creating his own shot, but playing off of somebody, whether it is Giannis, whether it's Bledsoe, and now Jabari, you know, that helps him out a lot. Um, so, yeah, I think he definitely deserves to be in the All-Star game, which is really shitty. And I don't want anybody else to get hurt. I don't want that to be the reason that he gets into it. I'm like, let's just get to the All-Star game as an NBA. Because seeing all these people get hurt, it's never fun. And it almost it it breaks down the, how fun it is to watch the NBA. I mean, it's how the NFL was this year with how many great players in the NFL were hurt now for the season whether it was Rodgers or whoever else you want to name. It's just not as fun not watching the best people that could be on the court play the game. 
Yeah, that's a great analogy. Um, I was going to say the same thing with the NFL. and It's just like, it's, it's a league, like it's one. Altogether it's one, and it's got this number or quality of talent. And then when you start dropping um, just little tiers of talent, you know, it, it waters down the product, which for us as fans makes it less appealing and means they make less money and uh, nobody's happy when that's the case. So let's keep our guys healthy. Let's uh, keep these trainers getting educated, sports psychologists, and, uh, yeah, keep the ball rolling. Definitely. So let's go on to what's probably going to be a reoccurring segment for the rest of the season, which is Joe Prunty and how he's doing as coach. So I, I don't think 8-2 and two or something like that under him right now. Um, but those two losses were against a Timberwolves team and a Magic or a Heat team. So you kind of looked at the other wins, and you could easily say, yeah, it was against the Magic. Yeah, it was against the Nets. It was against the Knicks twice, and, you know, and it was against the Suns. So how are you feeling as a Bucks fan, um, you know, watching games here and there, kind of keeping up on it, and are you liking do you think it's? Do you think it's Prunty? Do you think it's the ease of the schedule? And do you think it's just kind of the team playing to what they should be? Not necessarily because of him. What do you think about him as a coach so far? And then we can kind of go into more detail on these past couple games here. That's a really good question. So one thing that concerns me is that he doesn't have that signature win yet. You've kind of talked about it, right? He's beat the Knicks, the Magic, the Nets, the Bulls, the Suns was his first game. And then he beat the 76ers, which would be that signature win, but JoJo didn't play. So I don't consider any of those... um, necessarily unexpected wins granted some have been on the road and he's eight and two so we have to be very pleased with that um great winning percentage but yeah we lost to the heat we lost to the t-wolves both on the road that's okay what i'm looking for is i'm looking for him to beat a really quality team um hopefully it's in milwaukee i hope that we can do it in front of our fan base because that's that's optimal um and we have a great opportunity to do that um I mean, the Hawks, I think the Hawks are okay, but we could also go to Toronto. Um, yeah, they're, they're all right. We could go to Toronto and get that win, too, uh, and that would be right after the All-Star break. So that'd be kind of a fun way to start off the second half is is uh, getting a win in Canada. But as of right now, I think he is safe. I don't think he's on the hot seat at all. Um, and as I've said in the past, I think Horst probably is very much so exploring options because it's the NBA and it's high stakes, but right now he might be coaching himself into a head coaching position for next year. So far, I'd agree with you, and I think I actually agree with most of everything that you said. I think that, yes, I think at Toronto on the 23rd is going to be kind of what you want to be your statement win, where we've kind of gotten blown out, not necessarily blown out by them in the first two rounds this year, um, but I want to beat them so bad after that playoff series last year, and I want to. I think that would show a lot if you can kind of corral your team away at, you know, wherever they play. I forget, like, fucking some juice store, stadium, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Canada, yay. Um, if you can get a win up there, nope, not, not, I don't hate Canada, I actually like Canada, but yeah, no. I just would think that would be a big win if you got up there in Toronto and you took that from them. Um, but one thing that I've seen a lot, have been to a couple games with him as coach, um, is his, uh, his emotion, like, he gets very emotional on sidelines. He's very much out there, he's screaming at either the players He's down at the refs. He's kind of fighting for his guys where you didn't see that a lot with Jason Kidd. And you see that a lot with some successful coaches, even Steve Kerr. Because I think that this is kind of, 
I, I don't want to say we're the Warriors, but I think when you look at the way the Warriors took, where they kind of acquired a lot of the talent and they were building a great team, when Mark Jackson wasn't their guy, got rid of him, brought in Steve Kerr, and then he kind of just took them that next step up and they won, you know, almost had that, or had the record-breaking season, you know, they won championships and they've been in the NBA championship for how many years now straight. And I think that's kind of what we're going to be looking for is our Steve Kerr. So, going off of that, I think that Prunty has shown a lot from a player's perspective of fighting for them. And the one specific thing I want to bring up, which is against the Heat, which has kind of been talked about on Bucks Twitter and, you know, Bucks Nation, is a um, exchange between Jabari Parker and Prunty, where, and I don't, you probably didn't see this, based on the way you're looking at me. No, I, I didn't. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, great podcast. Yeah, we're doing this through Skype, guys, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, Jabari's backing down D-Wade taking him down uh, into the post, loses the ball a little bit, kind of gets backed out to the three-point line, and right behind, right by Prunty, and Prunty's like yelling at him, and Jabari passes the ball away, and Prunty's like yelling at him, and from what I've read, it was like, he was more of like yelling, like, go back at Dwight again, like, that was not necessarily a mismatch, but like, that's who you want to go down against, like, take him again, and Jabari, he didn't look, like, he he looked a little bit annoyed, like, god damn it, like, why are you telling me, why are you yelling at me right now, all this stuff. And I watched them talk after the play, and he was kind of like Prunty wasn't necessarily yelling at him, but he was like talking to him, like, certainly, like, hey, like, you are good, you are better than that, go back down there, show him what you're made of, kind of, what, and Jabari was kind of, you know, nodding his head and kind of, like, taking it all in, obviously, a heat of the moment for both of them, so I don't think I take too much away from it, from, like, him necessarily yelling at Jabari, but I also kind of like it, because he's pushing a guy who's coming off two ACL tears, who needs to get back into the group of things, and maybe needs to be told what he is, and needs to be showed it. And I don't know how you obviously didn't see the play, but from the very, very bad explanation I've given, what do you think? <laughs> uh, well, I think that you can't baby a guy, right? It's it's the NBA. It's it's the highest level of basketball that there is. Um, in sports psychology, they talk a lot about positive self-talk and affirmations. And maybe a guy like Jabari right now doesn't have the confidence or the belief in himself. And maybe a moment like that with this coach can kind of help him to generate the belief that he had prior to the injuries. Um, so I, th- I think Prunty, he knows what he's doing. He's very calculated. He seems like a really intelligent guy. And he doesn't have a ton of basketball playing experience. But if you look at his resume, he's kind of, he started at the bottom. And look where he's at now, right? So he, he's gotten there for a reason. He, he knows what he's doing. For sure. Um, one thing I've seen a lot of people say is that Jabari didn't look happy with him yelling at him like that. And I think that that stems from this fear of this looming free agency that we have with Jabari being a restricted free agent. Granted, we have his bird rights and are able to make a qualifying offer no matter what. Uh, people, I think, are afraid that we're going to lose him. Not necessarily just because of this one thing, but you kind of you would be making him unhappy more and more if that were to happen. So what do you think about that? Do you think that that's how he's feeling? Do you think it's an overreaction by Bucks fans? What do you think? Just off the cuff, your first thought, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's just heat of the moment. You know, we've all played sports, been athletes in the past, and you know how something can happen on the court. And you even see it with Rodgers and McCarthy, right? They'll get into each other um, pretty good on the sideline. But you know at the end of the game, they're still fine. They're still going to be at that quarterback meeting on Monday morning discussing things. So... I think it's good because it shows that they care. You know, as you mentioned, Kid never did that. Kid didn't show a lot of emotion. And some people might appreciate that and that he was in control of his emotions. But from my perspective, maybe he didn't have emotions. Maybe he didn't care enough as a coach. So I really like to see it on both sides. I like to see him get fired up. 
friction leads to growth, as they say. So um, overcoming these obstacles would be good for us in the long term. Definitely, and I think it. I agree. I think it's. I think it's an overreaction by a Bucks team that is a little scared because we are in this spot where we've never really been before in recent history of having such a good team and having such a good upside. And you know, with Woj's article coming out last summer about Giannis's time being up in Milwaukee, Jabari kind of coming back with his looming free agency, we're all kind of afraid like it's just going to end or it's too good to be true and we're not going to be able to keep them. So I think that that just stems a lot of this fear that people are having of like. Oh, I don't want to piss off Jabari, or I don't want to make Giannis unhappy with player moves or coaching moves. But let's go. Let's take this back a few months when Giannis was on the sideline yelling, "I'll fuck you up" to one of the assistant coaches, and people freaked out. But then he kind of came. I was like, "No, like that's just us. Like that's just how we talk to each other." Like, you guys don't know how it is in the locker room. I guarantee you, Prunty brought Jabari aside and like talked about it more, and they probably got into it more in depth and talked about what Jabari can be doing to help himself and when he plays and how to get back into it and. I just think that that's important to remember as Bucks fans. So for all you listening out there, some of you may agree with me. Some of you may not give a shit what I have to say. But I would just say relax. Like, we're heading into an All-Star break. We're, we're well above 500 now. We're on the upswing to where we should be. And don't let one altercation make some big drama out of it. And, you know, make it bigger than it needs to be. Because that's how all this shit starts. Exactly, yeah. Just remember where the Bucks have been in the past decade. Um, the peaks and the valleys, we've had far more valleys than peaks, and arguably we're at one of our higher peaks that we've had, so let's just enjoy it, stay positive with it, you know what, you're not one of the two people who are in that altercation, so just be happy you're sitting on the couch drinking a beer, eating Cheetos, and uh, we'll, we'll keep moving forward and supporting our bucks because it's a, it's a pretty special time to be a Milwaukee supporter. Definitely. And I guess as we kind of round this out, one last thing. I want to bring up a friend of the podcast, Kane Pittman, who's been on here. Um, our boy down in, down under in Australia. He's a big stat guy. He's keeping up with it and tweets about it a lot. Um, after almost every game is the defensive stats of the Milwaukee Bucks as a team as a whole on the upswing. And we're kind of getting back to where we should be with the players and the personnel that we have. And I think that's a testament to Prunty and Sweeney working together to develop a new defensive scheme away from, you know, Jason Kidd's trap, trap, trap scheme. And I'm, I don't know what you would call the defensive scheme. We're running a lot more man now, you know, switching a lot better from what I've seen when I've watched this play and not double teaming as much. And I think that obviously it takes time for a system to develop and kind of for a coach to implement it with a team. Uh, so I think that this is really showing how Prunty's coaching is already taking effect, not just from a win-loss perspective, but just from an overall stats perspective. Yeah, that's a good point, man. My biggest takeaway would just be that we're not trapping as much on defense, which is huge because we have guys who are long enough, fast enough, quick enough to, to defend one-on-one. So it doesn't make sense to be trapping and leaving guys wide open, which is what kids love to do, and that's what we hated. So it's, it's nice to see us learn from the mistakes of the past, and unfortunately Jason was un, unable to do that personally. For sure. All right, well, let's get your last couple thoughts. I know you and I are both on pretty busy schedules this week and, you know, for a while here. So let's get your last thoughts and uh, where people can find you on the social. So I guess final thoughts. Let's get a couple uh, couple dubs here before the All-Star break. And, um, yeah, I, I'm going to call out a big road victory right after the All-Star break in Toronto. Toronto's currently 39-16, and 16, one of the best teams in the NBA I think we'll head there and make some noise, get that first signature win for Prunty. And, uh, yeah, I'm Derek Stark. You can find me on social, but 
um, rather than doing that, just tell somebody you know that you love them, give them a hug, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be soft with my, my closing today. That's all right. Sometimes you need a little bit of softer side. Um, it is, uh, it's important, you know, for all your friends to know how you appreciate them. Give them a call, give them a text if you haven't talked to them in a while. Um, from a Bucks perspective, we're going, um, Atlanta's coming here and Denver's coming here Tuesday and Thursday. Should be two wins on paper um, against or with a home crowd there. I hope we can get those two wins, go strong with some momentum in this All-Star break. Watch Giannis just yam some dunks in the All-Star game and have some fun. And it'll be it'll be a lot of fun watching the All Star Game for sure. Getting to see Giannis out there and a Bucks player out there for two years in a row is always awesome. It really is. It's going to be a special year, and uh, hopefully we can keep that rolling next year too. Make it a three peat and just keep it riding because I don't think he's leaving Milwaukee. He loves it for sure. Uh, I'm at Jakubitz on Twitter and Instagram and wherever else you want to find me. Um, the podcast is at Bucks underscore radio. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please give us a subscribe, like, and review if you would so please. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week, and we will see you next time on the Bucks Leading Radio. Cheers. Peace. All right, that was a great conversation. I was really glad Derek and I were able to connect uh, in our busy schedules and get this time set aside to talk about the Bucks. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us talk about the Bucks, and we would love to talk about it with you, whether it be on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever it is that you listen to it on iTunes or SoundCloud. So, like I said, like, rate, or review, we'd really appreciate it. And you can find us on Twitter at Bucks underscore radio. I'm at Jakubitz. He is at Dr. Stark, Dr. Spelled Out. And you can also find him on Quora answering people's questions with some detailed, detailed answers. So, hope you have a great week and let's get some Bucks wins. Cheers.